Hey everyone, it's Father Pat here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are for the second Sunday of Advent. A reading from the book of the prophet Baruch. Jerusalem, take off your robe of mourning and misery. Put on the splendor of glory from God forever. Wrapped in the cloak of justice from God, bear on your head the mitre that displays the glory of the eternal name. For God will show all the earth your splendor. You will be named by God forever the peace of justice, the glory of God's worship. Up, Jerusalem, stand upon the heights, look to the east and see your children gathered from the east and the west at the word of the Holy One, rejoicing that they are remembered by God. Led away on foot by their enemies, they left you, but God will bring them back to you, borne aloft in glory as on royal thrones. For God has commanded that every lofty mountain be made low, and that the age-old depths and gorges be filled to level ground, that Israel may advance secure in the glory of God. The forests and every fragrant kind of tree have overshadowed Israel at God's command, for God is leading Israel in joy by the light of his glory, with his mercy and justice for company. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, the Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad indeed. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, I pray always with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your partnership for the gospel from the first day until now. I am, I am confident of this that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God is my witness. How I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and in every kind of perception to discern what is of value so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Idorea and Trachonitis, 
and Lysanias was Tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. John went through the whole region of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The winding roads shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So just a few days ago, on November the 30th, the Caribbean island of Barbados officially became a republic, formally ending its status as realm of the British Commonwealth and Queen Elizabeth II's role as its head of state. In reality, Barbados has been an independent nation since the year 1966, and the Queen's role has been really uh, kind of ceremonial since then. So what does this change really mean? I'm not, I'm not sure that, that Barbadians even know that for sure. Curiously, the majority of the Barbadian population apparently supported uh, keeping the queen as head of state. It was the politicians, uh, however, that uh, thought it was, a, it was time to make a clean break, what they called a clean break from the island's colonial history, which included the evil of slavery in the first couple of centuries on the sugar plantations primarily. Breaking from the past can be a good thing, but more importantly than breaking from the past is the question, what is the country's vision for the future? Ominously, the, uh, the People's Republic of China has been uh, active on Barbados in recent years, making major uh, financial investments in the island's economy and infrastructure, roads, bridges, those types of things. You know, it's reasonable to believe that China is going to expect these debts to be repaid in one form or another, right? So it's important for the people to think about this. What do the people of Barbados want Barbados to be? I don't think just not what we were is a good enough answer without risking replacing one mistake with another one. Now, no one's asked me my opinion, mind you, just, you know, throwing it out there. So today's gospel begins with this. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of, region of Iterea and Trachonitis and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. In other words, Luke is saying, not this. That's what I feel like Luke is saying, not this, when he situates the beginning of Jesus's public ministry into its historical uh, context. Jesus wasn't born into a storybook. This isn't make-believe. Jesus was born into a land and a culture and a people chosen by God to be a light to the nations. But the light, you know, uh, went dark, or at least was greatly dimmed. The promised land, which was once the great kingdom of Israel under Kings David and Solomon, has now been divided uh, centuries later into four, Judea, Galilee, Iterea, and Trachonitis, and Abilene. And the Romans are effectively in charge of all of them. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests of the time, but there's division within Judaism, with the rising influence of the Pharisees, against the Sadducees, and 
the uh, uneasy coexistence with Rome. So John, in the midst of all this, in that historical context that Luke sets out for us, he begins his ministry and he, and he flees to the desert and he invites other people to follow him there, to be baptized and to break with the past. Not this, not this, John seems to say, not this, but what? The prophet Baruch, it seems, has an answer. He says in our first reading, Jerusalem, take off your robe of mourning and misery. Put on the splendor of glory from God forever. Wrapped in the cloak of justice from God, bear on your head the mitre that displays the glory of the eternal name. For God will show all the earth your splendor. You will be named by God forever. The peace of justice, the glory of God's worship. Now, Baruch was the assistant uh, of the prophet Jeremiah. The book uh, with his name, the setting is uh, with Baruch, uh, the, the prophet, speaking to the exiled king of Judah and his court in Babylon during the 6th century BC. So, so they're in Babylon after being, you know, basically thrown out of, of Judah by the Babylonians and sent in exile. Biblical scholars, however, believe the book was actually written around the 2nd century BC, so you know, 400 years later or so, to encourage the Jews in that time, following the desecration of the temple by King Antiochus of the Greeks, using the resilience of the Jews in exile to inspire a later generation. So while the target audience might be in question, the message is clear. Leave the past behind. Reclaim your true identity. But remember, you didn't create that identity. Your creator did. So embrace his vision for your life. And then you'll find the glory and the peace that you seek. In my business experience and also my church experience, I've, I've realized the need to know who you want to be as an organization, you know, as, as, a, as a group of people. No business just stumbles into its success. The founders of the business start out with a with a concept of a market and a product, and how that uh, how that company and product will create value in the marketplace, how it will make money. In a large corporation, individual business units within the corporation, and even departments within the business units, have to do the same: decide what they're about, what they'll do, you know, where they add value, and then to make that vision reality. Even a successful parish functions best when there's a roadmap and shared goals and values to lead the way. But the church's values are not authentic. They're not faithful to what the church is doing if they're rooted in the preferences of a particular pastor or bishop or even, or even pope. Our vision comes from God himself. Our identity and our fruitfulness is only fulfilled if we return over and over again to the vision of divine revelation, the incarnation, ministry, sacrifice, and ultimate triumph of the triune God made manifest in the person of our Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit at work in the Second Vatican Council gave us beautiful, beautiful reflections on the life and, and mission of the church as we approach, as we at that time approached the third millennium, perhaps most profoundly in um, three documents, the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium in uh, in Latin, the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world, uh, the title, uh, Latin title being Gaudium et Spes, 
and uh, the dogmatic constitution on the church called Lumen Gentium. Shortly after assuming office in, in 2013, Pope Francis issued a, a document, uh, document titled Evangelii Gaudium, uh, which in English is the joy of the gospel. Now, I know these documents aren't exactly bedside reading for most of us, but, but these documents are, are actually very accept, accessible. You can find them online or in print. They're very readable. They're not that long. Um, and, and, and they're spirit-led contemporary reflections on who we are as a church, who we are. It's based on a simple progression. We are fed and empowered in the liturgy to go out into the world and form it brick by brick and person by person into, into a heavenly kingdom. Now, I know what I've just said is, is, is sort of countercultural because it reminds us that we don't, we don't create ourselves. Every person is chosen by God for a unique vocation with all of us together forming the body of Christ and, and the kingdom of God on earth. Every person is critical in making that vision, the Lord's vision, for his kingdom come to pass. And only by realizing that identity, our identity as individual persons and as, as a human race, will we discover lasting happiness and peace. And, and so we as a church, and, and as members of the church, as, as members of the body, we must return to those visionary documents over and over again to refocus our prayer and our planning and our daily efforts in building the kingdom of God by living more and more like Jesus, as Jesus, every day. Until just a few days ago, the head of state in Barbados was, a, was, and this was her full title, Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, Queen of Barbados and her other realms and territories, head of the Commonwealth. By the grace of God. As a proud American, I'm very proud uh, uh, to be an American and a supporter of the Democratic-Republican form of government in our nation, and, and, and now uh, uh, that adopted by the, the people in the Republic of Barbados. But, but my, my concern or my fear is that Barbados and, and, and the United States have lost something significant in, in, in embracing an elected form of government. The European monarchies in the past once espoused the concept called divine, the divine right of kings, which held that a monarch's legitimacy didn't come from the support of his or her subjects. It wasn't, wasn't something that, that was voted upon. But instead, that, that power, that authority, was, was given to that monarch by God. They inherited it from God, and they were chosen by the Almighty to lead the people entrusted to his or her care. Now, there are certainly legitimate and practical reasons why, why we no longer uh, embrace that idea. But, but how different might we think and act if we remember that every one of us lives and dies and works and serves others only by the grace of God, with a desire to reach ultimate happiness by sharing in his glory? If we remembered that our legitimacy and our integrity as human persons rested on how fully we, re we reflected who God created us to be, what would our world be like? And what would our world be like if we as a church remained wholly focused? The church remained wholly focused on the Holy Spirit's vision rather than what, the, what direction the political, cultural, and, and financial winds are blowing. What would it look like? Not this. Not this, for sure. 
rather, as St. Paul writes. And this is my prayer, that your love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and in every kind of perception to discern what is of value so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. By the grace of God, through our daily personal conversion, may it be. Amen. God bless you.